Welcome, friends, to The Flower of the Cedar, a novel in episodic podcast form. We are about to start the next chapter. Come, join us. Chapter 11 Living-Hearted Healer Once they had finished speaking and had drunk a full measure of silence together, Jan, with a laugh, touched her sleeve to her cheeks and changed Lara's wrappings. The paste at Lara's wrists had taken, for Jan could see an even color spread over her friend's sleeping countenance. She whispered something in thanks and began a tisane over the fire. Dane had not moved, except to sit back from his place, taking himself out of the light's circumference. His spirit was unquiet. A hint of eyes followed Jan, her self-deprecating graces as she worked. And then came the silent opening of his oaken hearts. He did not disturb her as he rose and left the shelter. Not like the riot of color Jan's hearts threw into the airs was Dane and his hearts. He had the depth and subtlety all tree hides hid, the covered stories of their growth the winters they had seen, and their tragedies. He had quiet and strength, the children of loneliness. When he knelt with his heart standing rooted to the sky, he knelt in silence. His face worked as if to contain something. Slowly, his hearts faded inward, leaving only a brightness around the region of his chest. He pressed a fist against it, bent forward, and if he wept, the earth did not tell. After some time, his arms fell, palms up, laid beside his hidden head. In the quiet, his low voice was a surprise. Refuge, he said. I am your open-handed one. You may take this, too. And he lay there, forearms cold in the snow, as night came. Following morning, Lara's fever had worsened. Jan felt anxiety stir, lingering on the play of Dane's hands as he made coffee. Their physics would soon be outpaced by the illness if this continued. They must get help. 
and immediately she felt a pang as of a looming separation. The sharing of Dane's company, the eventual loss of it that she must face. But of course I must, she corrected herself sharply. He is a runner. He may not be kept. She gave the oat grains a ferocious stir and slopped some of the mash onto her left hand. Hells, she said cheerfully, and grinned with her hand lifted to show Dane when he looked. They laughed together, comfortably. The comfort a gift from some later time when they would have won it by long friendship. That morning, it simply touched them and left Jan went out to fill the pot with snow. Once she had, she stood, paused, and rotated, looking around her. Snow, all in the forest, as though a second world of whitest trees had settled down upon the old bare one, so that bright branches were laid along the barren ones beneath, making holy and touching earth with heaven. The cry came pure and swift. She lifted her head and saw a figure pass through the trees, running. It saw her, slowed, and cried again. A pause. Then it addressed her in the common speech. Are you alone? I am with two, she called back. The figure came closer. A woman, tall, lean, beautiful. The marriage arts twined round her wrists in a wildness of evoked pines upon the mountains. She wore cut leather, and her hands moved deftly, sure. She took Jan in with blue eyes flashing, jade beneath a creek bed the hair over her shoulders fiery as final light of day, and her skin strangely pale. "'These lands are wild,' she said. "'How came you here? Are you in distress? May I offer help?' "'Yes,' said Jan. She told briefly of Lara and of their plight. The woman watched her, and Jan saw in her face a warm and ready compassion, one she had somehow known to expect. She may be trusted, she thought, wondering as she thought it why she knew it so surely. And regardless, we have little choice. When the woman made her offer of help, Jan led her to the great split tree and its hollow with the dug cave behind. Dane emerged, looking to the woman and then inquisitively at Jan. She says she can help, Jan said. I've told her of our trouble. I cannot take three, the woman said. One, perhaps, your smallest. I would carry her against me if she can bear the journey. 
She knelt beside Lara and put a hand to the girl's forehead. Her breath came in a sigh. My husband could tend her, she said. Once he cared for all such who were in distress or pain. And perhaps, if it were only one... She trailed off, lost in thoughts she did not share. Then she turned her attention back to them, with the slightest of trembling in the hand at Lara's brow. We camp some distance from here. You could not walk so far, but we may ride. Your husband was a physic, Dane asked. The woman's head bowed. No, she said. He had the gift. Jan's eyes grew wide with awe. A healer, she said. A living-hearted healer. There were not many whose hearts came alive bearing such a gift, and Jan had never met one in flesh. It was said they could heal at a touch nearly every grief or illness in mortal ken, though it came at cost. Yes, said the woman, glancing at her, the kindest and best of them. I have lived with him many years. I know his hearts. You may trust him to care for you. Will you come? Dane gestured to Jan. If you can only bear one. Can you ride? the woman asked. He ducked his head, and Jan's mouth quirked at the surprising glimmer of bashfulness in him. I cannot, he said. I never learned. I can, said Jan. Well, said the woman, saddleless. Yes, said Jan. I shall summon one of my friends, then, said the woman. And you, Dane, you may sit the mount behind her. You need little knowledge of horses to keep your seat behind a skilled rider. His eyes flicked to Jan, then back. He bent his head. I thank you. She was called Danai, the woman. She and Jan bore their packs, and Dane carried Lara in his arms until they had come to the plains. Danai broke from them, sprinting some paces away, then stood with arms spread, lifting her voice in a musical call that rippled away from her like water. Dane and Jan waited and watched. And to her came horses, chestnut and cream, mighty-throated, legs pounding the plains. She held out her hands to them, and they bent their necks to her, familiar as her own body, at home. She spoke words to them below Jan and Dane's hearing, and the darker of them whinnied. Then she turned you may come, she said. 
She helped Jan and then Dane mount the lighter horse, showing Dane how to grip with his legs. Then the first, the darker mount, knelt to her, beside Lara's prone form. Then I, capable and practiced, lifted Lara as though she were a sleeping child, draping the girl's body against her chest, her head on Danai's shoulder. Then she sat her horse, and the animal rose, gentle, slow. Lara's legs dangled each to a side, and Danai turned her head. Follow me, she said. It is not far. She turned her face into the wind and rode, fluid as though she were of a piece with her mount. And her mouth tipped in a sudden smile that none saw. And she laughed, short and glad, at the pleasure of her speed. Danai had spoken true. They were not long riding. Perhaps an hour, and that at checked pace, before she slowed and motioned for them to do the same. They had come over the plains, grasses, and into meadowlands studded with copses, trees grand and old, and draped in a kind of pale, trailing, moss-stranded growth Jan had never seen. The cooling airs of the nearing winter threaded among their fronds with an odd foreboding, and yet their trunks stood steady. She gazed at the verdure in wonder, and round her waist, Dane's arms, natural as thought, lovely in their strength. Again Danai's mount knelt, allowing her to slip from its back with Lara still in her arms, unsettled and sleeping yet. Danai looked with worry into the girl's face. It has taken a toll on her to be moved, she said. She lowered Lara to the earth with the barest sighs of relief, stretching her arms and rolling her shoulders. I fear it will be a long night. Jan and Dane dismounted, watching as Danai spoke to each of the two horses, touching them with affection before sending them off. Dane made to raise Lara, but Danai shook her head. She should not be moved again, she said. Not until my husband comes. He can settle her, and she will be safe in his arms. Wait here and she turned and strode away from them until she had passed from sight and the languid wind stirred the tree's shawls unhurried. When she returned, she was accompanied by a man her equal in height, with far-seeing dark eyes and hair darker still. He bore himself with a steady, strange grace, alert but quiet with it, and it was as though he brought with him the easeful air of a summer evening, when the friendliness of the world's life invites the body to open 
to rest and to lie back in peace. Jen found her breathing slowed and a contentment blooming in her breast as she looked at him. I am Toron, he said, once they had come near. Danai has told me of your need. You are welcome here, and I will do for you all that I may. His voice unfurled, golden and soft, holding in it hearth fires enough for the world to warm itself through on the coldest midwinter. He took Jan's and then Dane's hands in both his own, meeting their eyes and then releasing them. And then he knelt by Lara. Where she lay, she lay fretful. Yet when he knelt, her sleeping body turned to him as a young green growing thing might tilt into the light that was its life, insensate yet instinctually drawn. Her brow softened when he laid a hand on her hair. His eyes closed, and they saw him draw breaths in steady rhythm. His free hand came to rest at her wrist, and his fingers cupped it as gently as if it were a frightened sparrow. He sat in perfect silence like this for quite some time, with Jan and Dane looking on. At some sign they could not read, some sign beyond their sensing, a sign Danai alone from long love of him knew. She too knelt beside him and set a hand on his shoulder, and he turned to look at her. They too made some private exchange, and suddenly they could see his eyes weary. Power had gone out from him. Danai helped him rise, and he leaned on her, full trusting. Then she took Lara up in her capable arms, and Toron received the girl's sleeping form. Jan found herself watching the marriage arts of his forearms as he did so, their movements and those of Danai so very like an ancient and choreographed dance. Come, said Danai, as Toron began to walk, bearing Lara in his arms. We shall take you to our shelter. He can best care for her there. small, easily missed, a makeshift thatch and trellis-sided shelter that made use of an earthen overhang at the bottom of a long slope. Jan supposed they must have erected it not long before. It seemed designed for the passage of a few nights only, easily deconstructed, unsteady. 
a palate within wide enough for two, and the accoutrements of cooking filled it entire. When they arrived, Dane took in the space, walking its circumference as Danai and Toron settled Lara on the pallet. Jan's gaze followed him, anticipating the hand he put out to its east-facing side, and the slow bloom of oaken trunk that began to form there, rising, spreading, encompassing. She smiled. Toron, wrapped wholly in the wounded one in his care, noticed nothing, kneeling by Lara, but Danai saw. She tipped her head up from where she knelt beside her husband, watching Dane with awakening interest, taking in the sturdy, sheltering walls that now surrounded them. When he had done, she caught his eye. Thank you, she said, soft. He set his fist to his chest and bent his head toward her. The night descended. In silence, Jan and Dane watched the impenetrable work unfold, Toron fierce in single-minded focus, like one arrested in the grip of a mighty inner striving, the tumult undetectable from without, except by mark of his unnatural and lengthening stillness. At times, his whole body seemed to shudder and strain, and in these moments, Danai, as though summoned by some sign beyond their capacity to detect, was at his side. A hand laid strong on his shoulder, his head. And the subtle loosening that came over him then in response to her presence was like the quiet, blooming shift the night makes into the earliest dawn light. Jan, watching them, felt her eyes touched suddenly with tears. The hours passed. Danai brewed for them a hot, creamy drink, telling them to sleep if they could. It would not be swift, she said, and they could do no more for their friend just now. I will keep vigil with him, she said. He will not spend his strength in further speech, for she will need all he can give her before the morning. And so I shall hear what he does not voice, and do for him what he needs. We have done it many times before, he and I. You may rest now. Will she be... Jan looked to Lara, her words curling up and fleeing, seeing the faded cast of her friend's face and the sweat and the grimaces of pain that passed over her countenance. Toron's hands followed each as it came, rising with the swells, quelling and stilling. Danai took Jan's hand. I do not know, she said, steady. He will do his best by her. But the fever must break.
Their sleep was fitful, where they had wrapped themselves in their blankets and cloaks, and lay cramped against the walls. Jan woke several times, uneasy, watching the movements of Toron and Danai for some time before sinking again into shallow slumber. During one of these wakenings, she thought she saw Toron slumped and weeping, his head against Danai's shoulder. I know, his wife murmured into his hair, her body holding him up, sure and firm. I know, love. I know. When the morning dawned at last, Jan saw Toron's face, ashen and drawn, and her hearts shuddered. She turned to Danai, who looked grave. The crisis nears, said the woman. The Flower of the Cedar is written, produced, and published by me, Kay Ben-Avraham. This content is made possible by the support of my patrons on Patreon. We make monthly pledges they can increase, decrease, or cancel at any time. If you are enjoying listening, please consider supporting my work on Patreon. Even a dollar a month makes a great difference to a struggling author. For those of you wishing to support this work in non-monetary fashion, you can tell a friend about the podcast or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help ratings rise so that other people can find it. Thank you so much. <laughs>